0: In our last study, it was like James got right in our face and looked us in the eyes and said, Hey, you can't treat people better than other people just because the way they look or the way they dress, especially in the context of gathering together for worship. Partiality is just as sinful as any other sin, every other sin. And he said, this is you know kind of where we ended the study last week. James said, "'Judgment is without mercy for the one who has shown no mercy.'" Mercy triumphs over judgment. I've said it before and I'll say it again. James is a show-me kind of guy. Show me your faith. And he demands evidence of grace and mercy in the lives of those who have been shown grace and mercy. We pick up today in James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. The Word of God reads like this. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace. Be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, And it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then, that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works, when she received the messengers and sent them out on another another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the doing of his word. What is a prophet there in verse 14? What is it profit, my brethren, my brothers and sisters? You know, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? It's actually, can that kind of faith save him? If you have a newer translation or a, para, uh, a dynamic translation, paraphrases, they usually word it that way, that this kind or that kind of faith can't save him. A shallow faith and hypocrisy has been present in the church as early as the first century. And James obviously witnessed it for himself, and he's not the kind of guy to be quiet about it. To say you have faith, but not to show it, well, that may be a kind of faith, but that kind of faith is not likely a saving faith. And he says, my brother or sister, or if a brother or sister, rather, is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says, hey, depart in peace, you know, go away in peace, <laughs> be warm and be filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed, what is a prophet? Thus also faith by itself, listen, if it does not have works is dead. James is speaking to Christians, or at least those who claim Jesus is Lord. And yet he's compelled to address something as simple as meeting the basic needs of brothers and sisters in Christ, which tells us that this kind of neglect and hypocrisy was likely happening in the church. Seeing others naked and hungry, doing nothing about it, and then sending them off as if you did, is useless. It's a dead faith. he asked this question what does it profit another way to translate that is what what advantage is that he asked this question twice in verses 14 and verse 16 verse 14 he says you know what does it profit my brethren what advantage is it if someone says he has faith but he doesn't have works can faith save him and then here in verse 16 you know, if you tell them to go away and be warmed and filled and you don't give them what they need to be warmed and filled, what is it profit? What advantage of it is it? You know, what advantage is there to this kind of faith? None. Why claim to have faith in God? Why claim to be religious in any way if there's no advantage to you or others by faking it? Now, here's some food... For thought, because some people who don't walk with the Lord you know will tell us in conversation, you know well maybe there's no God, right maybe there's no God, maybe you're wasting your life as a Christian well, if there's no God and thus no judgment day, then my life as a practicing Christian was a great advantage it was still a great advantage to those I helped. And it was an advantage to myself by being perhaps a little bit less selfish in my time on earth. But if there is a God, and I choose not to believe him enough to do what he says, to love him and to love others, I have everything to lose on Judgment Day. There is great advantage in serving God. There is no advantage to saying that you serve God, but then don't. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your f- your faith, James says, without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there's one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. It's verses 18 to 19. Look, we'll find no shortage of so-called good people who claim to be religious or spiritual, who ascribe to no particular God or belief system and they'll point to their good deeds and say, look, you know, it's proof that I'm a good person. You know, God, if there is a God, He must love me and and approve of me because I do good things. James James says, though, and this is my paraphrase, yeah, I see the good things that you do, but my works will show you whom I believe in. Your belief in God or mere acknowledgement of His existence is neat at best, but the demons believe in one God and they tremble in response. Demons believe in one God and they tremble. They also press harder against the things that please God. And as believers in Christ, we believe in one God and yet we press harder into the things that please God. But do you want to know He says in verse 20, Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Look, according to Scripture, there are two kinds of fools, at least two. (laughs) The one who says, there is no God, right? We read that in the Scripture. The, the, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And the other one who says, God is real, doesn't believe God enough to live like it. You see, God will give us plenty opportunities to show us he's real, and he'll give us plenty more opportunities to reveal whether we have a fickle faith or a saving faith. And so James offers a couple examples to prove that. Verses 21 to 23, it says, Wouldn't you like to be called the friend of God? God promised in Genesis chapters 12 and 13 to make Abraham a great nation. Every nation and family on the earth would be blessed in him, in and through Abraham. God also promised a land for his descendants, Israel. And God made this promise when Abraham and his wife were old and childless. And then he confirmed it by a covenant in Genesis chapter 15. After Abraham simply believed God would do what he said he would do. And when Abraham believed the Lord, God accounted his faith as righteousness. He accredited Abraham as being a righteous man by simply believing that Yahweh would do what he promised to do. Eventually an even older Abraham and Sarah, (laughs) kind of beyond the the age of having children, they had a son. His name was Isaac, which means laughter in Hebrew because Sarah literally laughed uh, when she heard that she was gonna be pregnant and have a child. (laughs) And in Genesis chapter 22, God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only begotten son, whom he loved. This is the first place in the Bible where we see the word love used. And isn't it interesting that it's when we see a father offering up his only begotten son, whom he loves. And uh, God did this in order to test his faith, really to reveal his faith, because God already knew the quality of Abraham's faith. But we get to see his faith tested. And Abraham, as he was reaching for the knife, the Lord stopped him. Abraham, Abraham, don't do it. And he provided a lamb, provided a ram, actually, uh, to be offered up as a sacrifice. So, look, God was going to keep his promise Yahweh, the I Am, the Eternal One, was going to keep his promise regardless because of the covenant that he made with Abraham. It was a, covenant means cutting, and it's a ceremony that people, usually people would go through as some sort of agreement. It was a contract, and it was a way of walking through some bloody animals and getting their blood all over you. There's a way of saying, let, let, let the blood be upon me if I don't keep my promise. And in that covenant, God made Abraham go to sleep, and it was only the Lord participating really in this covenant. So God's promise that He was going to keep that. So God was going to keep his promise regardless. But Abraham's obedience revealed the value of his faith. His faith was the kind of faith that had motion to it. There was action. He was the friend of God. And so James says in verse 24, you see then, and he's referring to everything he just said previously, that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Remember the context. Abraham's faith was working together with his works. And his decision to obey Yahweh to the point of sacrificing his son was the product of his faith this justification was not a matter of abraham getting saved with air quotes here right or going to heaven when he died this was a matter of religion yes religion and relationship this was about loyalty because abraham was called the friend of god jehoshaphat king jehoshaphat's prayer in second chronicles 20 verse 7 he says lord are you not our god Who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And Isaiah says, in Isaiah 41, verse 8, But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen. Listen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. Abraham, my friend. Could it be said of you that you are the friend of of God. James gives another another example here in verse 25. Likewise, or just like that, you know, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Referring to Joshua chapter 2, two Jewish men went to Jericho on a reconnaissance mission to check out Jericho. God had promised to give that land, right? to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There was a woman there named Rahab. She took them in. She hid them in her house. When the men of Jericho came looking, she lied to them to keep these two gentlemen safe. She heard of the fame of Yahweh and what the Eternal One had done for His people. And she believed that God had given that land to the Jews. Rahab confessed Yahweh as God in heaven and earth, and then she asked these two men to spare her and her mom, her dad, her brothers and sisters, when they came back to take the city, and the men agreed. And so she helped them to get out of town, and she told them where they could hide to stay safe. Again, Rahab's justification wasn't about going to heaven when she died. Her faith in God led her to take action by hiding those men and keeping them safe at all costs. And so we see that she was loyal to the Lord. Her faith resulted in actions that saved her and her family's lives. This wasn't, again, about going to heaven. This was about her connecting with the Lord and by doing that, saving her family For as the body without the spirit is dead, James says in verse 26, so faith without works is dead also. In other words, just as one can tell a person is alive or not by the presence of breath moving in and out of their body, when there's no movement, right, we can tell that they're dead. Even so, faith in Jesus will produce works that resemble signs of life, signs of movement, Conversely, the absence of Christ-likeness is evidence that one's faith, so-called, is dead. What do we learn about God from this passage? What I see here is that trusting, you know, really trusting that God's Holy Spirit was inside James, inspiring him to write these things. We can see that God can see right through us. I mean, he knows whether whether our faith is dead or alive. He's interested in our faith, working together with our works. Just as James is a man of action, God is a God of action. Another thing that we can learn about God is that he has friends. He has friends. He has those who are loyal to him. Oh man, Paul, oh, I want to be a friend of God. I want God to consider me his friend. Listen to what Jesus said. In, in, it's recorded in John chapter 15, verses 11 to 15. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. And no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus calls those who love him and keep his commandments, he calls them, he calls us his friends. What can we learn about ourselves from this passage, in addition to being called the friends of God? What I see here is that we're designed for relationships. Yes, as I said previously, we practice our faith, and that's called religion. So we have to have religion, pure and undefiled religion. And that is the kind of relationship we have. Just like I love my wife, I have a relationship with my wife, but I am in a marriage Relationship with my wife. And I ought to act like I'm married to her. Well, we're designed for relationships. How we relate to God affects how we treat other people. And it's to our advantage and other people's advantage when we practice our faith. On that note, what is it that God wants us to do? Practice our faith, right? To believe in one God. And live like it. Remember, even the demons believe in one God and they tremble. They revere him. Do you revere him? Do I revere him? Do I believe in him and walk in his ways? Because believing in God's existence is not the same as believing in God for our very existence. Then another thing that God wants us to do is you know, if I haven't already mentioned it, show our faith by our works. If and when able, at least meet others' basic needs, food and clothing. We can't do everything, but we can likely do something. We can't do everything, but we likely can do something. I got that from a devotional from Warren Warren Wiersbe years ago. We We may not be able to do everything, but we could probably do something about it. And finally, what does God want us to do? He wants us to be loyal to the Lord and to His people. Would you be called the friend of God? Live in a way that pleases God, that would not compromise your relationship with God in Christ. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for calling us your friends Lord, we love you. We praise you, Lord, for for just showing us how to do it right. Jesus, you were so careful as you walked this planet. You were kind and gracious. Help us, Lord, to connect with you through Scripture, to see you in action, to not live in wonder of what would Jesus do, but to see what did Jesus do. Help us to connect with you in prayer, to hear your voice, Lord, to be filled with your Holy Spirit, that there might be motion, Holy Spirit motion, action in our lives, Lord, that we would have good works as a product of our faith in Christ. So help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.